It's time for To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington, a power hour of all things Southern Miss. For questions or comments, call 601-261-0898 or pound 981 for C Spire customer. Now we go live to the studio with Jamie. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Um, this show, every week, right here on 1400 AM. Tonight is not actually on 1400 AM, the score, but it is on 98.1 WMXI News Radio FM in Hattiesburg. You can, you can listen live on the WMXI News Radio 98.1 app. Also, uh, streaming at WMXI.com. Every week I also put this up on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. So please go subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a I don't can you like it? I don't know. I don't I still haven't fully figured out iTunes, but go subscribe. Give us a to the top there in the comments. Share with your friends. We've got a lot of great archive episodes up there uh, for you guys to check out. I'm gonna get right into it today. My guest is a New York Times bestselling author. He's got a book out right now called Gunslinger, The Remarkable, Improbable, Ironic Life of Brett Favre. You guys are going to really enjoy this one. So here he is, my guest tonight, Jeff Perlman. We are here with Jeff Perlman, author of Gunslinger, The Remarkable, Improbable, Iconic Life of Brett Favre. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Of course. Now, what made you decide to do a book on Brett Favre? Well, I really wanted to do, um, I really wanted to, my dream book is a book about uh, an old football league called the USFL, which produced like uh, Herschel Walker and Steve Young and a bunch of, it was a spring football league in the early 80s. And I couldn't get a book deal for it. And I thought maybe I can package it if I get, uh, if I do, you know, as a two book deal. And I was thinking about Favre and there had never been a definitive biography. And I felt enough time to pass with the bitterness in Green Bay. So I, uh, I sort of pitched it and I got this deal and I wasn't that excited about it. And I started researching Favre and it wound up becoming my favorite book I'd ever worked on. So, uh, it started as an idea I wasn't that into and ended up being my, my sort of greatest experience as a, as a book writer and author. Well, and I guess too, I know you're working on the USFL book now. I guess too, you may have to come back and, uh, venture to find a little more out about another Southern Miss quarterback, Reggie Collier. Exactly. Exactly. He was the star in the U.S. as well. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Atlanta Renegades, Washington Federals. Yeah. Reggie Collier can play. And you, and you'll find some, I mean, there's always going to be a debate about who is the best quarterback in USM history between Favre and Collier. I mean, you have some on either side of the fence on that one. Yeah. They were such different players. Collier was a, you know, freaky, freaky athlete who could do a lot of things really well. I would say Favre probably has the edge, but only by a slight bit. They were both, they were both ex- Actually, you know, I take that back. You're talking just college career. Collier probably had a better college career than Favre, actually, if we're being honest. So maybe Collier gets a nod. He was probably about 15, 20 years ahead of his time, you know? Oh, he's an NFL quarterback. That's coming along now. You know, he was like a Steve Young, Michael Vick, do everything, run, throw. Oh, yeah, way ahead of his time. He would have been, if Reggie Collier comes along in 2016, he's a top five pick in the draft. Well, this is not your first book about a Mississippi native. You wrote another one about another uh, legend, I guess, about 25 miles down the road in Walter Payton a few years ago. Yeah, from, Colum- uh, from Columbia, Mississippi. I'm not just saying this because I'm there. like, it's kind of funny. I'm a, uh, I'm a liberal Jewish guy from New York, and <laughs> I don't know anyone who grew up there I did who would say, ah, oh, Mississippi. You know, like most of them, 
99% have never even stepped in the state. And that Walter Payton experience gave me a legitimate, genuine love of Mississippi, of the people, uh, of the honesty, of the welcoming nature of people. I just, it was, a, I'm not just saying this, like one of the perks of writing this book when I got the deal was I knew I would be able to go back to Mississippi, a state I really have, have come to uh, embrace in many ways. How much time did you spend in South Mississippi? Well, I was, I, uh, I'd made two different trips. I would say a total of about maybe two, two and a half weeks, I guess. And you interviewed almost 600 people for this book. So, uh, you know, and I've, yeah. I've noticed skimming through the book, there's a, there's a lot of familiar names to Southern Miss fans out there. Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's my favorite part of the book. Uh, it probably, the, the, it's the Atlanta chapter is first year in the NFL and it's time at Southern Miss. I just think it's such a fascinating, you know, he came in as a nobody. And he's the last scholarship offer. Nobody knew who he was. He wasn't a lightly recruited. He was non-recruited. You know, he and I had the same amount of recruiters going after him, um, coming out of high school. And he just got lucky that Southern Miss sort of, they hired a, uh, assistant coach named Mark McHale very late. They gave him the Gulf Coast. He knew nothing. Most of the people are signed, the big prospects. And, uh, you know, he did tip them off that there was this kid at the Kill Mississippi with a, with a big arm who might be worth looking at. That's the only reason Brett Favre becomes what he becomes. And, you know, people, you know, people in this area, obviously, Southern Miss fans, people on the coast, they know a lot about Favre, probably more than most. So why, why would you say that a Southern Miss fan should buy this book? Oh, because I go, I go deep, deep, deep into the Southern Miss years. I mean, deep. So nostalgia, definitely. You'll learn a lot of things you didn't know about the intricacies of Favre's experience in Southern Miss. I really think there's, there's more, in many ways, there's more of a reason for Southern Miss fans to buy it than Packer fans. Because so much has been written about the Packers, and his four years at Southern Miss really are kind of a mystery. I, I know people know the basics, but just as an example, I mean, his senior year when they beat Alabama, at least, I, I still consider that, I can't believe more people don't know about that, just general football fans. It's his senior year, he almost dies in a car accident. He comes back, but then he goes back because he has this infection, and he has 30 inches of his intestine removed. Then he's supposed to uh, miss this, you know, first he's going to miss the season. Then he misses the first game. They barely beat Delta State, Division II Delta State, 12 nothing with John Wick as quarterback. Second week, there's no way Favre's going to start against Alabama. He's 30 pounds underweight, hasn't played, he's hurt. There's no way, then maybe he will. Then last minute, he starts against Alabama. He ends up beating Alabama 27-24 at Legion Field. Uh, Gene Stallings, his first game as a coach of Alabama. He just has a million, there are a million stories in the, in the backstories and the little details of it. I mean, I, I love the Southern Missiles. Like, I, I love Southern Missiles. I've spent some time talking with uh, a couple of guys you interviewed, and in, in Mark McHale and Tim Hallman. But I really enjoyed the one of my favorite games growing up. The one that I was the most proud of was the victory over Florida State in Jacksonville. And there was so much that I didn't know about that game that that is in this book. It's it's truly amazing. Oh, I, I love the fact that it was supposed to be in Southern Miss. Southern Miss was the home team that game. Right, even though it was in Florida. It's really funny. The athletic director of Florida State calls uh, Bill McClellan, uh, was the uh, athletic director of Southern Miss, and says, "We want to. Just wondering if you guys would play the game in Florida instead of uh, Mississippi." Uh, no, that's not happening. We'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs> you know, that's basically what it was. Like, come and play. And then it's 105 degrees. Southern Miss is wearing black. You know, black and gold. Leroy Butler was, a, he, you know, his former future teammate with the Packers was on Florida State. He told me he didn't even know who the hell Brett Favre was. You know, he didn't know anything about Southern Miss. It was a gimme game. It could have been Delaware. It could have been Bucknell. You know, that kind of game. Like, we're not Southern Miss. That's like 
is this our first game on the road to whatever bowl we're going to? And uh, Favre comes in there. In the Alabama game, he did not play amazingly well. It, it just was important he was there. The Florida State game, he lit them up. You know, and they never, it's funny because they had, that Florida State roster had three quarterbacks who would go on to play in the NFL and Charlie Ward, who went on to play in the NBA and win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, they were a deep, loaded team. And Southern Miss just came in and wore them down, and Favre played amazingly. You didn't get to talk directly with Favre uh, for this book, but you did talk with some of his family members. How did all of that come about? Well, you know, you try reaching Favre throughout, and uh, it ended up not happening. Meanwhile, I, um, I added his sister Brandy as a Facebook friend. And when I went to Mississippi the first time, I just sent her a direct message from my, literally, I was sitting in my hotel in Mississippi, saying, any chance you want to get coffee? And she said, why don't you come to the house? And I said, okay. So I went to the house in the kill, uh, same, same property where Breck grew up. The house was destroyed, largely destroyed in Katrina. So it was a, kind of a rebuilt house. But still, the house where he grew up, uh, she was there. Benita, their mom was there. Spent a lot of time together. They knew it was a, uh, I wasn't writing a puff book, you know, or a kill book. I, I was trying to write a definitive biography. They knew Brett hadn't agreed to talk. And uh, I don't know, maybe you get this because you're Mississippi. Like, no one I talk to understands this. But I always say, they're like, why do they talk? And I always say, they talk because I showed up. Like, they talk because I took the time to come. And it just was hospitality. You know, it's like, well, he showed up. You want something to drink? Have a seat. You know, they literally said to me, so it's Brett cooperating. Okay, what can we tell you? You know, that sort of thing. In New York, we would have been like, yeah, uh, I don't think so. Why'd you even come? But there's something about the hospitality and the decency. I don't know what it is. It's hard to explain, but I know it when I see it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the most intriguing things I think about this book, because you, you seem to have gone into a little more detail than a lot of the other biographies went into, would be his time in Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about you know, Favre's time in Atlanta from what you learned. Well, the thing is, the, the thing that really got me interested at the start is Brett wrote a, uh, had an autobiography that came out after they won the Super Bowl over New England. And he touches on Atlanta in exactly nine paragraphs. The whole book, nine paragraphs of the rookie season, including two of the paragraphs were single sentences. So he basically avoided writing about it. And I immediately thought, there has to be more here. You know, it has to be. And it's just amazing. Like, Jerry Glanville, the head coach, didn't want him. They don't even want him to draft him. He wanted them to draft Brown and Eagle, the quarterback from Louisville. And um, he and Ken Herrick, the general manager, went back and forth, back and forth. Who are we going to draft? Who are we going to draft? And finally, Herrick wins out. And they pick, they pick Favre. And Brown and Eagle goes next to the Jets and winds up a monumental bust. So Glanville doesn't want him. And on his first day reporting to the, to the Falcons, Glanville walks up to him and he says, uh, Hey, Mississippi. And Favre says, Hey, coach. And he said, Let me ask you a question. What, uh, Mississippi, what college did you go to? Favre says, Southern Miss, sir. And he says, damn it. I wanted the quarterback from Mississippi State. We got the wrong guy here. And Favre is just like crestfallen. You know, it's like, whoa, what the heck just happened here? And, uh, he was terrible in camp with the Falcons. Actually terrible. His balls were curving. Uh, he was throwing wild, high, no touch on the ball. So they traded for a backup named Billy Joe Tolliver from San Diego. And suddenly Favre is the third string. That, he realizes he's never going to play, and he spends the season getting fat and drunk. You know, he misses meetings. He shows up late, shows up with alcohol in his breath, misses the team photo, uh, pulls up to the to the facility like an hour late, says, Coach, I'm so sorry. I got caught behind a train wreck. And Glanville says, you know, memorably, boy, you are the train wreck. And it's just like a disaster of a year for him where he, he gets lost in the abyss. And I always say if he didn't go to Green Bay, 
I really believe if he didn't go to if he'd stayed in Atlanta, he would have been a Todd Marinovich or a Johnny Menzel. It just wouldn't have worked out for him. He needed to leave Atlanta. It was not going to work there. Everybody knows about the time at the Packers, and I'm sure you get a lot of great stories in there. But I think that you know just kind of skimming through this book here, I, I kind of got my eye caught on the time, you know, post Green Bay, you know, when he was back and forth between retirement and that that period of time where I don't, you know, you mentioned the book, he did not want to go to the Jets, but they traded for him anyway. Yeah. And the general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, called Bus Cook, his agent, and said, uh, Bus, uh, we traded for Brett. And Bus Cook goes, what the hell did you do that for? You know he doesn't want to play for you. And Tannenbaum says, just let me get him on the phone. Let me talk to him on the phone. And he has this whole sales pitch worked out in his head. And he calls Brett and he says, hey, Brett, it's Mike Tannenbaum. We just traded for you. And Favre kind of pauses and he says, uh, well, let me ask you, what, uh, what's the dress code? And Tannenbaum says, well, what do you want it to be? Because they had been suits and ties under Eric Mangini, the coach. And he says, um, shorts and T-shirts. And uh, Tannenbaum says, done. And he goes down to pick them up. He flies down to Mississippi. And he, uh, he stops off at the Piggly Wiggly on the way to his house to get a tin of Copenhagen. And he brings it to Favre's house, almost as like a, an offering to the gods. And Favre goes on to the Jets, where he never wanted to play. And had, you know, actually had a very good year 10 games in. And then just his arm fell off his body, basically. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, and I think it's 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 pretty well uh, documented that he seemed to be a little vindictive with the Packer organization after that. And uh, <laughs> that would be, be an understatement. <laughs> that would be an understatement. And was able to, you know, kind of reclaim. Well, he was able to get that in some ways, but it seemed like, you know, he was a little uh, just, you know, I was reading the part about when he came back to Green Bay that first time in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. And it wasn't the best experience for him. No, they had a funeral procession outside uh, Lambeau that I had uh, a dummy dressed up as five in a hearse. And that's how bitter it was. And when he was the last guy introduced to run, he was the last Viking to run on the field. And he was just hit with the worst booing you'll ever hear. I mean, it was, you know, Green Bay is this. I just had, I just talked to a friend the other day who lives in Milwaukee and she's a, but she's a new, she's from New York. She's a New York Giants fan. And she was telling me how wonderful Packer fans are, how even if you wear like they're playing the Giants and you wear a Giants jersey, they'll like welcome you and hey, that was a great play. You know, very welcoming, warm fans, kind of like Mississippi actually. But when Favre came back, it was like the bitterness just came out and people were angry and they felt betrayed. You know, because Green Bay is a weird, not weird in a bad way. It is a unique market. It is all about loyalty. It's like you could pick any, you could pick Hattie. It's like putting an NFL team in Hattiesburg, you know, like, so they're very territorial and very provincial. And when someone violates that, as they felt Favre did, all people, but Favre could do it, it was bitter. It, it, and one thing I, I kind of appreciate about your style with this book is it seemed like uh, the entire project was a quest for honesty. How did you go about qualifying what you put into the book and what you kept out? Well, you number one, you have to know which sources to trust, which sources are, you know, there's certain sources who are go-to sources and people say this is a person you need to talk to. You don't just go, I mean, there are a million rumors about Brett Favre in Wisconsin, about nightlife, about what he was doing. I kind of, I, I went very light on it, I felt like, um, just because you can't just go with gossip. There has to be more to it. There has to be substance to it. So, you know, a lot of it is basing on a source of a lot of it's trying to get, you know, the enforcement of sourcing, but it's not easy because you're going, the other thing is you're going a lot of memory. You know, like you, one thing about the flaw of biography is you're trusting memory a lot. You know, you're, conversations, anecdotes. Uh, so you just kind of, 
there's a little bit of you're hoping your sources, their memories are as sharp as you hope they are. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely an inexact science to, to that degree. How has the book been received so far? It's doing great. Made the best seller, new seller list its first week. I've been doing, I'm in Green Bay actually, and I've done three signings and they've been, you know, like huge turnouts. I just think the, the thing is, I'm not like fooling myself here. The name on the book could be anything, but the picture of Brett Favre, you know, people love Favre. They just love him. They're fascinated by him. So it's not about me. It's about the subject, and I'm totally comfortable with that. So, yeah, it's been I've, shockingly good. Well, after all this research, why do you think Brett had, was such an intriguing figure for so many people? You know, I did a book on Walter Payton, as we, as we mentioned, and the backlash to my book uh, in Chicago is harsh because people defied him. And especially when someone dies young, you know, you, you become this deity. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, adds to your, it adds to your aura. I, when you die young. And Favre is a deity. Favre is an icon. And there's a difference. People in Green Bay are very accepting of Favre's flaws. Not only that, they almost like it. Like, it's almost like he was one of them. You saw him drunk on Water Street? That's just like I, what I would do. He was addicted to painkillers. My cousin had problems with painkillers. You know, he played his ass off. He played for a super long time. He made some really dumb throws. He made some really great throws. It's funny, Aaron Rodgers is probably a better technical, in fact, he's actually a better technical quarterback than Brett Favre, but he never played with the panache and the oomph and the spirit. He didn't talk trash. Favre just was one of these people. That's the thing. He's one of them. That's why he's so beloved, and that's why I, I think people are drawn to it. You mentioned Rodgers. I mean, I, and I know there's there certainly must be some dynamics in this book of, of that relationship. It, it It's still awkward just to think about Favre and Rodgers in the same place at the same time. You know, it's just a weird pairing if you think about it. Yeah. California, Mississippi, younger, older. You're drafted to replace the guy eventually. You know, so, you know, Rogers came in. He was kind of tone deaf. He was just, he was very cocky. Fought, never been challenged. So it was a, uh, yeah, really, really awkward that first year. You know, an uncomfortable. Favre did not make it easy for him. And Rogers didn't make it easy for himself. Well, Jeff, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Do you have any any final words for any fans that may be considering buying your book? Yeah, my uh, my kids are very hungry. <laughs> no, I really, I just like, I put a lot into this. I love this project. It has nothing to do with my, my kids or are, are money. I just, I love this project. I put everything, I don't care if you take it out from the library. Seriously, I don't care if you buy used or a nickel on, on eBay. Like, this book was a labor of love for me. And I, I think if you read it, you'll see that. That was Jeff Perlman, uh, New York Times bestselling author and author of Gunslinger. The remarkable, improbable life of Brett, uh, excuse me, improbable, ironic life of Brett Favre. It's an amazing book, and I, I highly recommend picking it up if you uh, haven't uh, already. I've been reading through it. He he was very thorough with the interviews, interviewed a lot of people. There's a lot of familiar names in that book. I, I liked reading about the time at Southern Miss, as you would expect. And the um, the neat thing to me was all the stuff that you didn't know. You know, you see the games, and there's so much that you don't know that is in this book. There's stories from guys like Tim Hallman and, and Toby Watts and even, you know, Leroy Butler on the other side from the Florida State game. So I highly recommend checking it out. Really good stuff. It's it's really neat to see this this book taking off. And it, it, it shows the human side of Brett Favre. You know, it's it's the good and the bad. And I think that's what people loved about him. I know that's what I loved about him. So – Coming up after the break, we're going to talk Southern Miss versus Charlotte. 
I got a lot to say, had a miserable weekend, and I want to vent about it. <laughs> so, after the break, we're going to come right back with more To The Top Talk right here on WMXI 98.1 FM. And normally on the score. Not on the score this week, but it'll be back next week. Come right back to us, guys. We are back with more to the top talk. Thank you, guys. For tuning in, my name is Jamie Arrington, and if you've never listened to us before, this is a show about all things Southern Miss. A break from the Power Five propaganda, so to speak. All right. I think we're sounding okay. All right, I'm flying solo tonight. All right, guys? So you're just going to have to bear with me. (laughs) Let's talk Southern Miss versus Charlotte. Let me preface this by saying that I am a big fan of Jay Hobson. I really thought that, you know, when we hired him that, you know, it'd be a good fit for us. And hopefully it still is. But that game last weekend to me was the equivalent of the 2007 game versus Rice for Jeff Bauer. Because it seemed like as the game went on, it just felt like the team, you had lost the team. And it felt like after that game that you lost the fan base. Now, maybe it's a little premature. Maybe it's not fair. You know, this is his first season here, you know, inheriting a brand new team. But to me, the talent was there to perform better than this. And I've been extremely disappointed in the progression of the team. It just hasn't been there. And and as much as all of much as much as you can say about all of that, I also want to say this. The energy has been non-existent on the sidelines for most of the season. And I really didn't think anything of it when we were winning, okay? You know, then we lose to um, UTSA. Okay, UTSA came out with more fire. They wanted it more. Hopefully that was a wake-up call. LSU, we played hard in the first half. Once they punched us in the gut, they had it the rest of the game. All right, probably one of the most talented teams in the country. I can deal with that. Charlotte, who's been playing football for, what, four years? (laughs) Two, Two years in Conference USA, comes in hits us with a haymaker, and just keeps landing them. Now, the team fought back, but you never really felt like we were back in it, you know? And the energy's just not there on the sidelines. You look on the sidelines, you know, last season you'd see the guys fired up, pumped up. Now you just see Zach Woodfin and crew dancing around, and everybody's just just standing there. There's just something off, something something is missing. I can't put my finger on it. I wish I could. I wish somebody could because I, I really want this to go well. I really like Jay Hobson. Jay Hobson is everybody's best friend. Everybody that knows him is is like a best friend to him. So, and I know I've seen my Twitter accounts. I've seen on the message boards. I've talked to a lot of people. Everybody was just flat out disgusted with that game on Saturday. And then you're running your you're running Nick Mullins up the middle. I mean, that is that is some Steve Buckley kind of stuff, man. Get, run him up the middle. Get him knocked out. You know, I had some friends that uh, went to Nick's church. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to Rebecca Horn and crew. They drove down to watch Nick play this weekend, came out to the tailgate, had a great time. They ran into it. They went and, and found him after the game. It was like he almost, you could. they said he was a little loopy. They said he didn't recognize him at first. So I hope everything's in order with Nick. 
when it comes down to Saturday. Hey, and shout out to Nick Mullins for taking a picture with my little nephew. That was really cool as well. You guys have heard Joseph on the show. If you've uh, listened uh, the past few weeks when we did the recap for the Rice game. So let's uh, both sides of the ball. Shannon Dawson's offense. I didn't like the running the quarterback up the middle. I, I do not like the quarterback runs right now with, with our personnel. I, I just It doesn't seem necessary to me. Now, that being said, not the coach's fault. There have been a heck of a lot of drops, and I, I think that's a mental thing. I don't know what's going to get the guys out of that, but there's been way too many drops this season for anybody's liking. So hopefully – I don't know what the answer. How do you get players not to drop the ball? I mean, do they do the old carry the ball around campus? I, I don't know. I don't know how that works out. But I do know a lot of plays that we had designed were going two or three yards – the runs, I don't know if the, the, the line was just not getting, you know, able to sustain the blocks up for I don't know what was going on with that. They weren't getting as much of a push as they've gotten against other teams. So maybe, hey, you got to hand it off to Charlotte for playing like that. But the defense, we've got a top 25 and top defense and top 25 offense. We still do. And, and I think that's something to hang your hat on, even uh, the way the results have gone, which Jay Hobson alluded to in his press conference the other day that, that turnovers had a big. Big part of that. But giving up the big plays, that has been the most ridiculous thing. A, a Jay Hobson defense, I, I expect more, even if he's not the coordinator, I know he still has his hand in calling the plays. I expect more of it out of a Jay Hobson defense. I just do. I've seen him here before. At least contain him. If they're going to run the ball on us, hey, let them get 10, 15-yard runs, not 70, 80-yard runs. <laughs> we can deal with that a little bit more. If they're getting the blocks on the linebackers, linebackers, I mean, it just doesn't seem like guys are in position. They just seem deflated. There doesn't seem seem to be as much energy. And, and as the season goes on, it, it seems like the fundamentals are getting worse. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know if they're just not buying in. Maybe they're not capable. Maybe, maybe we overestimated this team and this talent. Maybe the talent just isn't there. I don't know. I think the talent is there. The talent is there right now to where we should be. Uh, at least tied for first place in this conference. I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry. If you disagree, shoot me a message on Twitter, at to the top talk. I'm not taking calls right now. I'm flying solo tonight, in case you guys can't tell. And I'm still trying to figure all this this stuff out. This is a, this is a lot for me to take in. I've got a, a severe case of ADHD, and uh, <laughs> this is this is great to me. But I'm figuring it out each and every week. I'm doing good so far. You guys got to give me that. I'm doing good so far. Um, hopefully we can get it together this week because the good news is the conference championship is still in our sights. If we win the next three games and Louisiana Tech defeats Texas San Antonio this weekend, UTSA, we're playing for a conference championship. We may not be hosting it in Hattiesburg like we had originally hoped, but we win these next three games. That's going to be a tall order because I'm not sure what games we're going to be favored in. Maybe North Texas? I don't know. The, the line on the Old Dominion game this weekend has not come out yet because they're not sure about the injury to Nick Mullins. I would think Nick Mullins should be good to go by the weekend. I hope he is. Uh, if he's not, we're in, in serious trouble. I'm not sure that uh, Parker Adamson's going to be ready to go. I mean, both of you guys go down. You throw in Tez Parks, which, hey, you got to hand it to Tez, man. He, he, he went for it. It didn't pay off, but, hey, he's not a quarterback. He's a running back. So hopefully he can get it together. For this weekend, the Golden Eagles uh, sit at five and four right now, and they are taking on the Old Dominion Monarchs, who sit at six and three. That game is this Saturday, November the twelfth. Kickoff is at two thirty p.m. 
TV, I looked it up earlier, is going to be on uh, American Sports Network again. Southern Miss all-time leads the series 1-0. First meeting was last year. So hopefully we can get off the schneid and come back and play Southern Miss-style football this weekend. That's what we all want to see. We just, I mean, you can't feel good about uh, about last weekend, you know? And, and, oh, heaven forbid, we don't win at least one more game and get to a bowl. Because you think the meltdown this weekend was bad? You wait and see the meltdown if we don't have a winning season with what we had left on the table. My goodness. We'll be right back after the break. Going to talk more Southern Miss football and some Southern Miss basketball right here on To The Top Talk with me, Jamie Arrington. We are back with more to the top talk. Sweet dreams are made of these. Yeah, let's rock out. I don't know. <laughs> hey, so back to back to Jay Hobson before uh, we move on to talk about Conference USA as well as basketball. You know, Jay is, is a he's got his personality about him, and, and he's a very knowledgeable football mind. But that's just. You know, I, I don't think that there's a visible fire there. I think if he was a little more fiery, I think people would probably get on board a little more. It's just there's no there's no fire. Like I was, I tweeted out this weekend. I was like, I would like to see him have like a Jeff Gundy, like Denny Green kind of moment, Jim Mora at one of his pressers, and just lose. I would just like to see some fire. I mean, I, I've seen it on what is that Rise? I've seen him come in and men, you know, hey, we gotta come back next week and whatever else that. Uh, that he said on that. You guys go watch the Rise videos, by the way. They're great. They're terrific. But, um, yeah, I just would like to see a little more fire, and I think a lot of other people would, too. Let's talk a little bit about Conference USA this week. Uh, UTSA defeated Middle Tennessee State 45-25. to And in that game, Middle Tennessee's quarterback, um, what's his name, Brent Stockstill, knocked out for the season. Broke his collarbone. He wanted to come back in and play, and uh, they wouldn't let him. They said, you know, you, you, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> so they, they took him out. Um, FAU defeated Rice 42-25, to kind of to be expected. Western Kentucky lit up FIU 49-21. Um, to Louisiana Tech defeated North Texas 45-24. to And Old Dominion. Scored 38 on Marshall, who only got 14. That's going to be our opponent this weekend, so that'll definitely be interesting. UTEP 42 and Houston Baptist 10. Conference USA standings right now in the East. Western Kentucky sits at 5 and 1, followed by Old Dominion at 4 and 1, and then Middle Tennessee State and Charlotte both have 3 and 2 records in conference. All of those appear to be added to bowl game. Charlotte uh, takes on the uh, the Rice Owls this weekend, so that could put them one game away from uh, what, what would be their first bowl contention. In the West, Louisiana Tech sits at five and one in conference, seven and three overall, uh, followed by uh, UTSA at four and two, and then Southern Miss at three and two. All of those teams are also in bowl contention. Hopefully, the Golden Eagles can get that one more win, and I don't really care if UTSA does or not. <laughs> Conference USA games this week, uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, Rice is a 
point favorite, no, ten point half point dog. Uh, they're playing at Charlotte. UTSA is at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's favored by twenty two points. North Texas is at Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky is a twenty nine point favorite. Southern Miss is at ODU. No line on that yet. No line. There's no line that's been posted. Uh, I think they're waiting on uh, what's going to happen with Nick Mullins. UTEP is at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is a three-point favorite. And then Middle Tennessee State is a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, and they are playing at Marshall. NFL this week, not a lot of news. Jamie Collins played in his first game with the Browns. Had a solid game. It's going to take him a few weeks to figure out what they got going on over there, and I think the Browns are still trying to figure it out. Although I was slightly impressed with uh, Cody Kessler this weekend. I think, you know, once they get some pieces to the puzzle there, I think the Browns, may, it may end up being a great fit for Jamie Collins. Jalen Richard had a pretty solid game Sunday night as the Raiders defeated the Broncos. Uh, first quarter, Jamie, I mean, uh, Jalen makes a, a ridiculous one-handed catch. And uh, he was in and out of the game a lot. You know, he's, he's doing punt returns. He's had a solid year on that. And um, but, but he had a really good game. I played him on my DraftKings team. I think I was, it was less than 1% in that game I was playing that played him. So I felt good about that. You can go vote for a lot of these guys right now. The Pro Bowl voting is up. I know you can vote for Chris Clark, uh, who's with the Texans, Jamie Collins. You can vote for DeMar Dodson. Um, Jalen Richard is a punt returner. And then Kyrie Thornton as a, a defensive lineman. Did I vote for Kyrie? I can't remember. I voted for every – I went through and looked for every Southern Miss football player I could find – and I voted for them. <laughs> so um, go do that. Go vote for all the Southern Miss guys. In basketball this week, uh, Thursday night, this past Thursday, uh, Southern Miss defeated Mississippi College 96-95 to in two overtimes. This was an exhibition game. No need to get your panties in the although it was very, very concerning. And then last night, uh, Monday the 7th, Southern Miss won 79 over uh, William Carey, 79-60. to over William Carey. That was also an exhibition game. Southern Miss fell to the to uh, William Carey last year, so it was good to see them bounce back, come back, and play the basketball. You're 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 at Southern Miss. You're expected to beat William Carey each and every year. You're not expected just to beat them. You're expected to blow them out. I don't care what team we are fielding. If that does not happen, there is a major problem. So no excuses now. There's no NCAA sanctions pending, anything like that. We know where we're at. We're Eligible for postseason play. There's no reason to lose to William Carey. And thank goodness that the team played some good basketball last night. This week, uh, Friday, the 11th, they will be taking on Tougaloo at 7 p.m. at Reed Green Coliseum. And then next week, next Tuesday, a week from tonight, they will be at Louisiana State at 7 p.m. So a couple of games. If you're if you're in the Hattiesburg area, come out to the greenhouse Friday night and, and support the Golden Eagles. And if you're in uh, South Louisiana, Go check out the uh, go check them out at LSU against the Tigers. We're making our uh, second trip there this year for uh, an a- athletic event, so that'll be a lot of fun. All right, guys, come right back to us. We got more to the top talk on the way right here on WMXI ninety-eight point one FM. Guns and Roses for you guys. 
Thank you, Gene. Thank you, DJ Gene, for, for picking the music for us here. Uh, let's shut it down. Special thanks to my guest, Jeff Perlman. Great. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with a guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Perlman. His book is called Gunslinger, The Remarkable, Improbable, Ironic Life of Brett Favre. Go pick it up. I think you will thoroughly enjoy this book. At least I have. And I'm not, I haven't even finished the book yet, but it's been an amazing read thus far. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. If you want to keep up with my comedy at Hub City Comedy. Also, uh, the score 1400 AM at the score 1400 and then, uh, WMXI at news radio 981. You can follow Lanny. He was sitting in here for a little bit. Uh, he dipped out at Big Gold Nation. Go check him out. He has some great information on Southern Miss Athletics. You can follow us on Facebook as well. All those same pages. You just look up. Uh, what I talked about. I'm not going to read them all again and bore you to death. Upcoming comedy shows. My next comedy show will be Friday, December the 9th at the Thirsty Hippo. It's Hub City Comedy's annual holiday ha-ha show. We'll have about 15, 16 local comics get up. You get to see the best that uh, the best that Hattiesburg has to offer as far as comedy goes. So don't bring uh, don't bring any standards with you. <laughs> Starts at 8 p.m. Tickets are only five dollars. This is a show I haven't even announced this show yet, but I'm going to tell you guys about it because I've got it here on my sheet. Uh, Wednesday, December the 28th, 2016, we've got a comedian named Mark Norman. He's going to be at Brewski's in Hattiesburg. I'm a huge fan of Mark. I think he's one of the best comics out today. Um, next week, he's recording his Comedy Central Hour special. He's already done a half hour. He tours the country opening for Amy Schumer. So lots of big things happening for Mark right now. He's a huge get. Last year, he came the night before Thanksgiving to Hattiesburg and had a, an amazing show. One of the best shows we had last year. I think he's extremely talented, and I think you guys will enjoy it if you come out, if you're into that kind of comedy. Next week's show, we're going to recap the old Dominion, Dominion game. And we're going to talk about the upcoming game against the University of North Texas. Be sure, don't forget to check out the archives on this show. Uh, we've got To The Top Talk up on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud now. Subscribe, give us a rating, review, and whatnot. Show us some love. Tell your friends, any Southern Miss fans out there, even if they're not, tell them, all your friends. Southern Miss fans or not, they'll enjoy this show. <laughs> uh, seriously, get on there, guys. I want to. I want to see. I want to see this spread, and I want us to spread the uh, the the. Give everybody a break from the Power Five propaganda. That's what I really want to happen with this show. I love you guys. I love Southern Miss. We're having fun. I hope you guys are enjoying the show as much as I'm enjoying getting to do it. I'm still in a daze from Election Day. I'm just so ready for this to be over. I'm ready to watch Dave Chappelle host SNL this coming. Uh, Saturday night. I'm ready for the Golden Eagles to defeat Old Dominion as well. So let, let's. I'm, I'm heading out, guys. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk. <laughs>